If I do things that push myself through my comfort zone, because that is what's going to give me confidence. And that confidence is going to propel me into other areas of my life and open doors and give me opportunities that I never dreamed of. So Uh it's important to bust through your comfort zones. And, you know, one of the things I always talk about is, let's go back to like when we were kids, you know, what did we want and what was the playfulness around that? And why did we think it was possible? Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After, a podcast coming to you every other week, giving you the tools you need to make smart decisions both before, during, and after your divorce. And this week is absolutely no different. We have our special guest, Tanya Marie Dubé, who is a master of transformation. She recently left her 18 and a half year marriage and left with nothing except her kids. And this was not the only traumatic experience that she's lived through. Tanya found herself born into the foster care system. She was in eight different foster care homes before she reached age 10. And then was actually homeless from when she was only 12 years old all the way through until she was 18. Despite this, she is one of the most positive, upbeat, wonderful people I have ever met. And I asked her how this could be. She shares with her her perspective and how she was able to shift her perspective through this adversity, even when she found herself sleeping in cars, bathrooms of churches, and the worst of all, under trees and local outside parks. She shares with us the five stages of transformation and how you can bring these into your life and move through them to a happier, healthier life. And most importantly, stay to the end because at the end, she's going to be giving you some tools that you can use to launch you on your journey. And what we all know is that the biggest obstacle that women have to getting the support and help they deserve and need through their divorce Well, it's money. And you'll find out at the end how you can launch down this path without it being expensive because you deserve support. You deserve the best life possible. Without further ado, please let me welcome Tanya Marie Dubé. So welcome to Financially Ever After. Today, we have Tanya Marie Dubé, and she's going to be talking to us all about the things that We women going through divorce and after, the things that we need to know to make sure that we have the best life possible for ourselves and for our families. So Tanya comes to this work and has lived through some of the most difficult, difficult situations I think anyone could have found themselves in and really 
triumphed to have this amazing business. And I just want to say a great big thank you to you, Tanya, for being here and for sharing your story with us. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I can't wait to have this awesome conversation with you. I am really excited too, because I know that we're going to be getting into so many different pieces that are going to be helpful. You know, how did you decide to start your podcast, to start your business, to work with individuals going through divorce? Was this something that has always been in the back of your mind or was it something that came to you through just, you know, certain life events? Well, I was born into the foster care system and I lived in eight different foster homes by the time I was 10 years old and the first seven of those before I was two years old. So my life has presented me with a series of transformational opportunities. And as I got older and started to study psychology at 17 years old, I started to coach at 17 years old without even knowing that's really what I was doing. I think as a law of attraction would have it, as I was learning, I was like finding people who were sort of, you know, a magnet to me who needed to know what I was learning. So throughout my life, it's been mostly women. And what I've learned is that the only way for me to grow is if I help others achieve what they're trying to achieve. So that being said, I have always wanted to do work with women specifically because I am one. (laughs) And because women, if it wasn't for the women around me my entire life, I don't even know where I would be today. So I'll take you to three and a half years ago. I finally walked out of a very toxic 18 and a half year relationship. I took my two children with me and we grabbed the things that meant the most to us. And we completely started over again. I left everything else behind. Now, I have an online interview series, a summit that goes out a few times a year. And I started that because my story about having to quit high school and then I eventually did go back and my background is now in psychology. But I've been out of the workforce for so long by the time I left this 18-year relationship. It had been over a decade. So here I am looking online and I'm thinking, okay, so where do women go to get this help? Like, how do we find it? And I did not know about savvy ladies right at the time, because that is a wealth of information. But if I didn't know that, which I didn't, I was now looking and I found the information was so piecemeal Mm -hmm. and so all over the place that I thought, oh my gosh, now what happens to women who don't have that post-secondary education and they don't know the questions to ask? How are they going to find this information? So I threw together a very haphazard summit which I am very, very proud of. And I brought in experts who could speak on every aspect of my separation up until that point, and it had been 17 months. So I had 21 experts speaking on things that were far smarter than me, who knew a lot more than I did on these topics, and we rallied together. And off of that, you know, over 300,000 women have seen this video or this, this series of videos. It's changed so many lives. I'm so, so, so proud of that work. Off of that, I wanted to create a podcast for women that, you know, so that they can now take some interviews with them, get some coaching, you know, and and anything to make their lives an easier place to be. 300,000 women. Yes, ma'am. Congratulations. I mean, you are so moving your life forward and helping others. And I love that you are willing to share your own difficult experiences and leaving everything behind after an 18 and a half year relationship and essentially just having your kids. Does that impact you 
does that help you relate when you're coaching with women who are thinking about or going through or after a divorce? Mm -hmm. I can only imagine it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think one of the core things that I teach is because I am a master at transformation, I left out a part of my life where between 12 years old and 18 years old, I was a, literally a homeless street kid just trying to finish school. Like I was an academic student. My education meant everything to me. Years before I became homeless, I overheard somebody at my social worker's office call me a statistic. And I was like totally into books and, you know, I had that big dictionary at home and highlighted words as I looked them up and I was like statistics. So I went home and I opened this dictionary, looked it up and I was like, oh my God, no, I'm not going to be a statistic. That propelled me into becoming an overachiever at a very, very young age. So here I was now homeless, just trying to like make it through so that I could finish my education. That meant everything to me because I knew that education on some level, it doesn't have to be post-secondary if that's not someone's thing, but education empowers us and it gives us the strength to do anything. Mm -hmm. So one of the fundamental things that I teach is let's remove, we're in this, you know, we're in this, we're going through a divorce. I'm still going through my divorce. We're in this. And what are the facts? Let's look at the facts of the situation. As much as we cry and we're angry and we're yelling, or we just feel hopeless at times, let's remove. It takes me back to my days, you know, when I was homeless and this is what I would think. Let's try to remove the emotion out of it for a second. Let's just look at the facts and what we've got to work with. Because when we can remove the emotion out of it, it's no longer about our ego. And when it's no longer about our ego, we can get a better handle on what's actually happening. So mm -hmm. this is something that I teach as a part of my transformational work is there is a time and there is going to be a place for, you know, those tears and for that anger. But when you're talking about rebuilding your life after divorce, we need to remove the emotion out of it some of that time so that we can really, really get our teeth into what's working. I love your perspective and it's so powerful. One of the questions I have, that perspective shift of going through adversity, I can imagine sometimes we can get ourselves there, right? And we can, we can stay in that space. But other times, maybe because we just got slapped in the face with another awful surprise mm -hmm. and we fall out of it. How can you help your clients, you know, come back to that, like center themselves to come back to that perspective shift to deal with the adversity that they're dealing with in a way that you talk about of taking that emotion out of just seeing, okay, this is what it is. And this is how I'm going to get through it. Several times in my life, I've had to sleep under a tree and I've had to, you know, live in a car like short term or whatever. I've slept in church bathrooms, you know, like I've literally done everything I could in my life to like protect myself so that I was okay. And I have to tell you every single time I woke up the next day, I would think, okay, <laughs> I'm still here. I get another chance to do this. So gratitude, you know, gratitude for me is everything. It's literally the foundation that you want to lay underneath you, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is. It's never as hard or as bad as you think it is. It's not. And I've been through some of the worst things. And when I say that, I don't say that lightly. So there's that. And the other thing is everything feels impossible until we get it done. Once we get it done, that's this major breakthrough, isn't it? It's the shift that gives us some crazy confidence. And we think, wow, if I could do that, I can do anything. 
Mm-hmm. So gratitude for me is really, really, really important. I still, to this day, I'm 44 years old now. I still wake up every morning and think, oh, thank God I'm here again. I get to do this again. Like, mm-hmm. who am I going to talk to today? What has to be said today? You know, who's going to be put in front of me? What kind of difference can I make? So gratitude for me, that's the first place. And then, you know, you and I talked a little bit about meditation in a previous mm-hmm. talk that mm-hmm. we were having. And And meditation for me is important. And for people who are like, oh, I don't know about that, or I don't know how to do that, just picking some quiet time in a day, just to be quiet. Everything's turned off. Your phone is away from you. Your computer's not on. The kids are busy, or they're at school, or whatever you can do. Go for a walk, but just sit in complete silence and just breathe. That's really all meditation is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, doing those two things when you're going through a heck of a lot of adversity, or it feels overwhelming, or you feel hopeless... Go to that quiet space because everything you need to know will be right inside of that space. It's amazing. I mean, really coming to realizing that despite whatever we're facing, there are pieces, there are big pieces of our life that we have so much to be grateful for. And taking that moment, and I love having that quiet time, meditating and really focusing on that. I know that you have a specialty are the five stages of transformation after divorce. Can you talk to me a little bit about what are those stages? How quickly do you move through them? How do you move through them? And how do you get to the other side? And what does that other side possibly look like for someone? Okay. Um, so I, I have a program that I've been working with women on for the last year and a half, two years, and it's called Thriving After Divorce, How to Reclaim Your Life and Turn Your Breakup into Your Breakthrough in Five Steps. So I want to preface this by saying that you can't possibly, when you're going through any kind of trauma or adversity, just boom, 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 go through each thing and you're recovered and you're healed forever. You're essentially laying down building blocks that you can then build on top of. And just like the grief cycle, we're going to be in and out of these stages. I say it can take a good solid year and you can't do it by yourself. And you need to be working with someone because you need a different perspective, right? You need a different mindset shift. So that said, I walk women through these five stages. So the first one I call visionary, it's called building a new foundation. Inside of this space, we're working on your belief systems. We're working on why you think the way that you do. Does that really belong to you? So many times I find, especially like I look back into my own life, I've had so many different influencers in my life because of the nature of my life and not having parents and growing up with guidance counselors and foster parents and social workers and therapists and, you know, psychologists and going through that whole thing until I graduated out of foster care at 18 years old. I had to stop and ask myself like, oh my gosh, what part of me is actually me? And what part of me is what everyone told me to be or what other people expected me to become? This is really deep and very powerful work. And it really shifts who we think we are and helps us align with who we think we are and who we want to be. I'll just say one more thing on that. I find that a lot of us, you know, one of the reasons that we feel so stuck is because our version of ourselves in our heads is not necessarily the version of ourselves that we're living. So for me, aligning those two things is one of the most important things. And it's why it's my first step because, you know, you got to tear away those things that are not yours that you've been holding on to so that you can make space for what's coming, right? 
And I can imagine so much of what you're talking about is when we have a partner, often we give up part of ourselves to make the relationship work, Mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe not create any conflict, kind of almost swallowing sometimes who we are. And that significant other, them telling us who we are. Unfortunately, if it's negative, we're lazy or we're disorganized or Mm -hmm. maybe they might tell us, you know, you spend too much money. And so I can imagine that going through that stage of really coming to grips with who am I, not who people think I am, not who people tell me I am, but who I really am is unbelievably powerful for Uh, a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And it also goes as far back to who you've been shaped to become when you were little. So the one foster home that I grew up in was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It was also a very traditional household and I was the only girl and seven boys, you know, give or take. So there were most days where I was sort of instructed to take after the boys and watch them and make sure that they are taken care of. And I was taught that I come behind all of those other people. So in a situation like that, that kind of an upbringing will inform your choices on who you're going to choose as a partner. So, you know, when I talk with women about their divorce and I hear them say a lot of things like, he ruined my life or how could he do this to me? I get them to change those words to I. Wherever you're going to put he, you say I from now on. You know, how could I do this to my life? How could I not love myself better than this? Because it really comes down to us knowing our self-worth and tearing down those things that hold us in the space of not enough. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That does. So what are some of the other stages? The first is visionary. Is there a second stage after that too? Yeah. So the next one is renewal. And this one is all about self-love and reconnection to spirituality. Now, I find that self-love for most of us, especially if we were in narcissistic relationships with anybody in our lives we have learned how to people please and to put ourselves last. This is not good. (laughs) So I teach women how to stop people pleasing. That is an addiction just like any other addiction I find, this need to put everybody first because we feel like we're better people. So we do a lot of work on that. We do a lot of work on what meditation actually means, how to find some quiet space in your home. Just a little tip for that. If you're trying to find a quiet space in your home and you're having trouble, pick a space that you never go to. Make that be your quiet space in the house. This is like the number one thing for me living in a small space with two children, yeah? Mm -hmm. So reconnection to spirituality. I find when we're in that space of meditation and we're quiet and we're humming or we have a mantra, you know, we're trying to set an intention. We're trying to realign ourselves with what we truly want. And in that, that's that reconnection to spirituality. We need more of this in our lives. I always say that if I could have had one more thing added to my education growing up, it would have been this spirituality aspect of our upbringing and not a religious necessarily, Mm -hmm. but a spiritual connection to self, right? I really appreciate you saying that because sometimes when individuals will say spirituality, they will go straight to religion. And I grew up Catholic school, going to church three times a week. It doesn't necessarily give me the fondest memories, even though religion is definitely part of my life. Mm. But spirituality, 
from the perspective of finding that connection to whatever it is that peace feels so freeing and so supportive. Yeah, my life would not be the same as it is right now. I mean, I would not be the woman that I've become going through everything that I've been through if I didn't have this component of my lifestyle. It's just start small, you know, start small. A part of that reconnection to spirituality, and I don't know if this is going to land the way I hope it will land, but self-help and personal development for me has helped me guide me to this space of meditation. Uh Uh I have a rule in my life that I read no less than 10 pages of a personal development book or something to do with personal development every single day of my life. That's a commitment that I've made to myself. It's 10 pages. Start with two. If 10 is a lot, start with two, start with three. Work your way up, but no less than 10 once you get there. Because when we're looking to change our lives in this way, we want to shed that old skin. We don't want to repeat the same behaviors or patterns or habits. We certainly don't want another toxic person walking into our lives intimately or with friendships. That kind of thinking requires some new perspective shifts, some new mindset shifts. And I always say that what got you here is not going to be enough to get you to where you want to go. So number one is you taking control of your personal development and your healing journey. And it all starts with what you're putting into your head, right? What you're putting into your mind. So amazing. As you were talking about reading a book and putting in your mind those positive things every day. I so recall when I was an investment banker, I'm not ashamed to say I hated, hated my job. And part of it was, is that they were like 80, 90, 100 hour work weeks. But Tanya, I made that same commitment that no matter what time I got home, if it was two in the morning, four in the morning, or, you know, maybe an early night, 10 and at night, I would pick up, I don't know if you ever read Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, yes, I have. popular in the 80s and 90s. And it was really nice, short, like little topics. And you could pick out what book you were dealing with and whatever challenges you were dealing with. And I have to say that back to that perspective shift, I would read two pages, three pages, story would be done. I'd be like, oh my gosh, wow, I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed. And I so appreciate that. When I think back, it was one of my kind of my lifebloods of keeping my head on straight, you know? Oh my gosh, yeah, I I get it. And it all comes down to like when you finally have had enough or you've hit this place where you're just like, okay, you know, what do I got to do? Like, I can't live like this anymore or something's got to change. Your want of the thing, like the desire you have behind what you want has to be greater than the fear that keeps you stuck. Yep. You know, 100%. So we've moved through visionary, we've moved through... Beautiful renewal. What is our next step? So the next one I call alignment. And that's for me, it's all about busting through your comfort zones. So staying stuck is probably one of the worst feelings in the entire world. And I have a lot of little rules for my life. I have another rule for my life is that if I am in the same place in six months from now that I am right now, I'm not doing something right. So I add something, I shift it, I learn something new. I do something to move myself forward because I had an 18 and a half year marriage of staying stuck in one place, emotionally, mentally. I was completely drained and fatigued. I mean, I was your quintessential, you know, lying in the fetal position on the bathroom floor almost every single morning for 10 years of my life. 
You know, like I never want to go back to that place ever again. And the way I won't go back to that place is if I do things that push myself through my comfort zone, because that is what's going to give me confidence. And that confidence is going to propel me into other areas of my life and open doors and give me opportunities that I never dreamed of. So Uh it's important to bust through your comfort zones. And, you know, one of the things I always talk about is let's go back to like when we were kids, you know, what did we want and what was the playfulness around that? And why did we think it was possible? I have an eight-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. And I remember when they were really little asking them what they wanted to do or if they had an idea, they were just so certain that it could be done because they didn't think of the failure, the possibility of failure behind it. And they certainly don't look at failure as something that is horrible. They look at failure as something that teaches you so that you can try again (laughs) and do it better a different time, right? So it's just really, really important to bring back some of that playfulness. And instead of focusing on what if this doesn't work, focus on what if it does work? Mm-hmm. What if I can have that thing that I want to have? You know, anyway, mindset for me is everything in the work that I do. So that's really, alignment. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when we think about like as a kids, I had an experience last night that I thought was really interesting. So the kids, it's kind of weird. I was just talking about the business and how we're growing, we're doing so well. And My daughter asked me, she's 10, Samantha said, mom, what happens if you die? Do I get the business? (laughs) And I said, well, no, the business would go to dad. And then she said, well, what if dad dies? I said, then it would get split. Half would be to you and half would go to your brother, Sebastian. And he's 13. And we're sitting around talking about that. And she says, you know, I'm not so sure I want your business because (laughs) I want to start a bakery store. And my son said, you know what? I think I could run your business. Okay, so Sam, I'm going to run the business and I'll send you your profits because you're going to own 50%. And here they are, these little kids, like talking about, okay, we'll figure this out. Now, granted, it's all premises on, you know, Tanya, me <laughs> dying, but um, <laughs> the father dying, bless. But it, was, yeah, yeah. but it goes back to, right, no limits. So why are we putting limits on ourselves? I mean, we... Yeah didn't do that when we were kids. We, we just, we didn't, you know? We didn't. And it's because our fears step forward. You know, this is part of the work that I do when we're talking about building a new foundation. I talk about the ego and how your ego is there to make you write about yourself every single time. So mm-hmm. if your ego is going to do all this heavy lifting, let's give our ego nothing to do. Let's build up our self-worth by reading those 10 pages a day. Let's wake up with gratitude every single morning. Let's write little notes on our mirror and on our fridge and on our front door and in our car and maybe on our computer at work that say amazing, positive affirmations about yourself so that it's all around you. This is what's getting into your head. You know, like it's just really, really important to me. The only reason, you know, that we put fear first is because someone has taught us that that's all. It's not real. Fear isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on from alignment, what are the next two, the next two stages? So the next two stages are courage, finding your true purpose. And then the last one I call powerful, that's creating incredible relationships, not just intimately, but all around in every, in every aspect of your life. So courage, finding your true purpose means we're going to dig in really, really deep. I have this way that I help women figure out what they want to do. Do you want me to share it with you really quickly? Well, yeah, you can't now that you just said that because I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to share it? (laughs) I think that's so powerful. And, you know, particularly because coming out of a marriage, like what is my purpose? I mean, 
Of yeah. course, of course, we've been a wife and, you know, maybe you have a children, so you've been a mom, but mm-hmm. many of us haven't worked. And many of us, maybe if we have worked, we've worked in a job maybe that we didn't really love. And also just finding your purpose of not only about career, but what hobbies you like. I mean, we don't even think about that. Well, and going back to that, finding that playfulness of when you were a kid and trying to figure out, you know, like, what do you want to do when you're a kid? You just say it. You just think you can be everything and anything just because it pops into your head. It's really not that different when you're older. Now, every one of us has you know, hobbies that we love and things we've been paid to do and dreams that we have. I make a column for all of those things. You know, one column will be things that I've been paid to do. Another column will be my education. What have I invested in myself that I could talk about that I know how to do? The next one will be what are my passions? So I make columns for these things and I write everything in and I do not edit myself at all. And then I literally you might laugh at this. It might seem a little bit hokey, but for fun, try it out because you'll be surprised at what you find. You know, there are businesses for people who sell fabric inside of clear Christmas decorations and they sell them for a lot of money online. Like you will be surprised what you could piece together and find a career doing. So in each of those columns, you're going to start picking one thing out of each column and see how it plays together on the page. You'll find something inside. This is literally how I found what I do. I've been paid to, I was an actor, so I'm a professionally trained theater actor and film actress here in Toronto. So so I've been paid to do that. I know how to be with people. I know how to, you know, hosting and things like that come really naturally to me. So there's that. What do I love? I love people and I love helping to solve problems. You know, I had these things in my columns. Like I was literally doing this for fun. And I came up with the beginning of what I do now, which kind of seems funny, right? But inside of this, if you're not editing yourself and you're being 100% truthful, all the things that you love or wish that you could have ever done with your life are going to be on this page. Now it's going to be up to you to piece it all together and then, you know, figure out, okay, now how do I do that? Because anything we want is possible anything that we desire or we dream about, we're really only six degrees away from that, if you will. You know, and when you start working on these things, keep in mind they do shift and they shape and they grow with you as you grow. But the point is that you're starting from somewhere and you're giving something a try. And the absolute best way to figure out how to do something is find the person who does what you want to do and get a hold of them. Tell them why you love their work and then pick their brain. Ask if you can get on a really quick phone call. You know, like... I want to impress here that we're really not that far away from the things that we truly want and the things we want are really not that difficult to achieve, even though they feel like they're impossible. They're really not for the most part. And the powerful piece, the the last step in the stages of transformation, which you talk about creating powerful relationships and not only just intimate relationships, but relationships with others. Tell us more about that. That sounds wonderful, but how do you do that? Well, I do always say that as women, we need to make sure that we have a plan for our lives. When we don't have a plan for our lives, like think back to maybe your high school self or your early 20s self, and you're just sort of like fumbling along and you're just living life and you're doing a little bit of this and doing a little bit of that. You're mostly with your friends. You know, when we don't have a plan inside of all that and we're just sort of like walking around waiting for things to happen, we will literally 
take anything that comes almost, you know, if it looks shiny and it looks nice and it looks cute, we'll take it. We'll get into relationships with men without really fully realizing what it is that we're going to need out of a relationship. We say things like forever in our early twenties when we don't even know what that means. Uh So for me, it's important. This is our second chance. You know, I look at divorce and separation as an opportunity to have anything you've ever really wanted if you're willing to work for that. So the plan. So for me, it's about having a plan. What do you want to do? Now that you figured out what your true purpose is, how are you going to go get it? Because if you decide that you want to go back to school and become a doctor, that career choice is going to require a lot of education time. It's going to require a lot of clinical hours. You're not going to have time for just any man, for example. You're not going to have time for just any friendship. Those kinds of friendships that you're going to make time for have got to be super special. They've got to be worth it. So when we have a plan for our lives, you know, what we're really saying is that we now have standards for who we're going to surround ourselves with, but not just that. Creating incredible relationships also means who do I have to become? How do I become the highest version of myself so that when I'm attracting these people to me, I'm attracting the right people to me, but I'm also good enough for them. Mm-hmm. So for me, building and creating lasting, incredible relationships means how can I become the best version of myself so that not only am I showing up for everybody else the right way, but I'm attracting people at this high energy level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. When we think of all the five stages, and let me just go back because it's visionary, the moving to renewal, alignment, courage, and powerful Is there one stage that you see has more transformation in your clients than others? Or do you see it in all of the stages? I do. I do see in all of it. I mean, for me, the most important thing is being able to understand what I'm going through and then be able to then use what I'm working with. So I find that when we have nothing to occupy our minds and we have nothing to focus on, we're sort of flailing right? Mm -hmm. It's like we always need something to be looking forward to. And we always need something to hold on to, you know, if we don't have that, then what are we filling our time with? It's important to pay attention to. Does that answer that question? It does. It does. And one of the things, and I feel like it really flows into this of creating really beautiful, authentic relationships is the importance of community. And The reason why I wanted to bring this up is that you have really created a beautiful, beautiful community for women. And one of the things that we heard from women as we interviewed women, you know, going through divorce of what they wish they had was exactly just that. So I would love the opportunity for you, Tanya, to talk a little bit about what you're doing, how you're bringing women together, how you're educating and helping women through really one of the most traumatic periods of their life and launching them into that next phase where it's bright and beautiful and they're able to, you know, create themselves to be whoever they want. Mm, For sure. Well, let me say that when I was getting out of my marriage and now looking 
I did something that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to a whole bunch of other people to do. I just left without knowing how I was going to do anything without having any, you know, a lot of financial stability. Like I just kind of just left because I figured in my situation, it was so bad that whatever was happening, whatever was coming for me in the future had to be better than what I was going through. So I took a huge leap of faith in myself (laughs) and I propelled myself forward. Now, that said, when I was looking for help, it was too expensive. Like I couldn't find anything that I could afford and still make sure I had food on the table and the kids had the shoes that they needed when they put holes in them two months after I bought them or like, how was I going to make all of this work? So because I do love learning and I do love reading, I threw myself into this stuff headlong and I taught everything, taught myself everything I needed to know to get through. So I've said that now. The reason that I've said that is because it's still the same for people who are going through divorce and separation with it being so expensive. Where do you find the coaching help? You know you need it and you know you want it and you're the kind of woman who will do crazy, wonderful things when you get it. But how do you find the money to do it? Yeah. You know, without stressing yourself out to death, right? So I've created a membership site for women to come in. I take them through these five stages of transformation after divorce. We work together over 12 months. Every single month is themed to go along with those five stages. And we work through this work. I offer them, do you want me to tell you everything I do in this program? Yeah, I would love to. And also, most importantly, where can women go to find this? Because that will also, all of you listeners for the podcast, we'll put in the show notes a link so you can go directly to that membership site to see a little bit more about the program. Oh, for sure. So it's tanyadubay.com forward slash membership. Really super easy. Or just go to tanyadubay.com. You'll see the membership tab. So what I do with women in this group is, you know, out of the four weeks of the month, the first week I do an hour long, never heard before heard training where I teach on that month's theme. We go in really, really super deep. The following week, we do a live question and answer period for anybody who is stuck or they don't know what to do. They need a little bit more help. The third week, we do an accountability call. How is everybody doing? We all come together and we rally around each other. And then throughout the entire membership, quarterly, I'm doing live trainings on Zoom, which is like Skype, for everybody Mm -hmm. to come on in so we're all there together. We can see each other. And then throughout the year, I'm bringing in experts to come in and talk more on topics so that we have more informed decisions that offer different perspectives. And that just rocks my boat. I love that. I love interviews. (laughs) So all together with that, I mean, I also do monthly mantra art. You know, every month we have an intention and I create something for your phone and for your desktop computer so that you're constantly reminded that you're doing this good work for you. Now, the community aspect of all of this is one of the most beautiful things you could ever ask for when you're going through any kind of traumatic situation. And I can attest to this because my entire life going through all of the stuff I went through, I didn't have a community. You know, there were years in my childhood where I was barely holding on. And it was because I learned to sit and be still with myself that I was able to pull myself out of some of the most heart-wrenching moments of my life. So when I say that having a group of women who are going through what you're going through, to not just be there for you, but they need to hear what you also have to say. They need to know about your experiences. We feed off of each other in this way. There's nothing more powerful than that. So Tanya, you've talked a lot about community and your website and the amazing program, but I also have seen some of the amazing work that you do through summits. 
tell us a little bit more about that. Any summits that you have coming up? And if women are not available during that time, how they can get access to this information? Because I think you record everything. Is that right? I do. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the very first summit that I put together. And since then, you know, now these summits, because they have such widespread impact, I interview 21 experts from all over the world based on specific themes. So I have one that's coming out in October. And by the time people listen to this, you may want to go check out the replay of it. But it's all about how to thrive after divorce, reaching 21 experts from all over the world. They bring everything they've got. Stacy is one of my amazing speakers. She's one of my experts. She's the only one on finances you're going to find on this summit. I bring together everybody. Every single one of these speakers offers a free gift for people showing up to watch. So there is a cost attached to it. It is not expensive. It is $20 per person to sit there and watch 21 interviews and get all of this coaching. That would, let me remind you, cost, you know, from 21 people, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And you're going to get all of that for $20, which to me is absolutely amazing. Now, I'm going to remind everybody, the first time I did the summit, it's been almost two years. It's reached over 300,000 women all over the world. And the impact, it's amazing. And the impact from this and the ripple effect is incredible. You know, when we think about personal development, we oftentimes think of it being just for us. We're taking it in, we're applying it, we're changing our lives. But what we forget is that we're also shifting the way we are and teach our children. And then those children go out into the world and how they talk to their friends is now affected. And when you go to work, all of the people that you meet on your way to work, they're going to be affected by this change. So don't discount getting all of this free training and all of the gifts that they're going to give. And then the $20 a seat to watch 21 interviews is remarkable to me. So I do also want to say that when you do buy a seat inside of one of these summits, you are also donating to women and children who are going through divorce and separation. So there's that part of it too. I want it to be inclusive for everybody and I want everybody to benefit. That's great. And I have to tell you, $20 is nothing in the sense that, you know, I know New York City here where it's very expensive, but $20, you're at a nice bar, you'll get maybe one glass of yeah. Pinot Grigio, and then you add the tax, and then you add the tip, and you'd be lucky if you get any change from $20. So, and you get a hangover. Or a glass of wine. I mean, <laughs> I love glasses of wine, but I would say the summit is a better thing. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You know, I think across the board with women, when I've surveyed women who are following me or who have listened to the summits and have something to say, or the women that I've worked with since I've started this business, I would say the number one reason that they're not able to change their lives is because they cannot afford it. So my work you're going to find is all about making it super affordable for everybody. So yeah, this is one of those things. So I hope everybody comes by. You can go to tanyadubay.com and you'll find information there on each of these summits. That's great. Yeah. That is amazing. Is there any other last pieces of words of wisdom or anything else that you want to share with our financially ever after listeners? Oh, yes. I just want to say that whatever you're going through right now, it feels really hard. It does. You have to take some steps to move yourself forward and get yourself into a space where you're 
emotionally and spiritually connected to yourself. I really do say, you know, I can send Stacy a list, my top 10 books that I give to all my clients so that you at least have a place to start. Knowing where to start is the most important thing. Make a plan for your life. Do that little exercise about finding your true purpose and, you know, just see where all of this stuff lands with you and then come on over to the membership, you know, check it out and see if this is the right thing for you. But I promise you, it all feels so impossible until you do it. And then that's one step closer to this emotional freedom so that you can focus again and you can sleep properly and you can stop that revolving door of conversations and memories, you know, that won't stop. They're relentless. So yeah, good luck to everybody who's listening. You got this, you know, you got this and don't do it by yourself is my big takeaway. Thank you so much, Tanya, because that is exactly what we heard from women as far as their, one of their biggest regrets was just not getting enough support and tackling this on their own, which, I mean, we as women, we don't really ask, we sometimes don't ask for enough support for ourselves, maybe for others, the other people in our lives that we love, but not ourselves. So I want to say thank you so much for being so authentic and real and approachable and not judgmental and just really giving also so many resources. We'll make sure that we also include the link to your website. We'll also include the 10 top books that can help you move through transformation and maybe start that wonderful practice of reading anywhere from two to maybe 10 pages a day of a self-help book. But again, thank you, Tanya. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so, so, so much, Stacey. I love what you're doing. Your work is so inspiring. So are you. And I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Great. In just a few minutes, I'm going to go over the takeaways of today's unbelievably powerful podcast. But before we do that, I want to tell you about a resource that you need to know about. It's our second opinion service. Our second opinion service is the opportunity for you to understand how your money is working for you because your money needs to support you for the rest of your life. We take an x-ray analysis on every single holding and see how everything comes together, where there might be duplication, where there might be additional risk that's not appropriate and give this to you in what's called a second opinion report. We don't charge for this because we want you to have this information. And if we can be a resource to put that ideal portfolio and that financial plan in place, please do reach out. You can reach out at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com or at www.francisfinancial.com. But now let's go back to the podcast. We just experienced seeing a woman who has overcome so many challenges to move in a space of her life where she's helping not just hundreds, not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands of women move through divorce. She's had over 300,000 women come and tune into her summits. And I encourage you to take this opportunity to review those show notes because we have great resources for you, not only about the summit, but the top 10 books that you can read. And I encourage you to make a commitment to start to read two pages, maybe four. If you're a go-getter like me, maybe 10 pages a day of self-help books to keep 
that perspective shift we all need of gratitude, of being positive to move through the adversity that we're facing. Thank you again for listening to Financially Ever After and forward this to other women that you love, that you care, that you know deserve to know more about their finances and have a financially secure life.